Technology Tap. This is Professor J-Rod. In this episode, we actually going to stray a little bit away from our normal contact and interview a technology coach. Now, many of you are wondering, what is a technology coach? Well, we'll find out. What is a technology coach? What does she do? And what are the, you know, how did she deal with her job in COVID? Let's get to it. All right, on this episode, like I said, we are going to interview our technology coach. And this technology coach's name is Michelle Zigabek. And uh, she was grateful enough to sit in for an interview. Truth be told, this is also a part of my doctoral program that I actually had to interview her as part of my class, but she let me use the interview as part of the podcast. So again, very grateful to Michelle for that opportunity. But before we get to the interview, I just want to remind you guys that there's still the $25 gift certificates for whoever sends me the Fundamentals, A+, Network+, and Security+. Whichever one, whichever student has the highest score will win a $25 gift certificate for each exam. Now, obviously, if you win one for Fundamentals, you can't, you know, you don't win anymore. But there's an opportunity for, for students to win $25 gift certificate. So if you took your ITF, A+, Network+, or Security+, Send in your score and uh, email it at professorjrod at gmail.com. And by the end of the middle of next month of August, uh, I'll see which one has the highest in each exam. And you'll get a $25 gift certificate. All right. Without further ado, here is the interview. Welcome back. And I want to introduce Michelle. Michelle's the technology coach for charter school in new jersey first of all what exactly is a technology coach so uh, my role as technology coach is uh has a couple layers but one of them is to train the teachers so the teachers um some of them lack familiarity with technology and the the different tools that the kids can use in the classroom so my job is to basically show them, for example, Flipgrid and be like, hey, here's uh, Flipgrid, which records the students. And you can do all kinds of cool things in that program, like whiteboard or whatever. And here's how to make that learning engaging and fun, um, you know, using technology. But teachers, oftentimes, they're, they're not familiar with it because the kids were digital natives and they, they, they know how to use all these tools, but the teachers didn't grow up with it. So 
uh, it's a, a lot of the uh, awareness, like I have to bring the awareness of like, here's some cool programs presented to the teachers. Sometimes I'll plan lessons for them. Um, I'll, I'll come into the classroom and even teach it for them to model uh, what it can look like. Uh, I'll work with the students so that way they learn how to use the new technology too um, and provide feedback. And a lot of times teachers come to me with, you know, questions like I want to try to use this. How do I do it? Or um, I'm trying something new. Can you come in and help me? Um, or I have a, a lesson, a unit on butterflies. And it's sometimes they're like, oh, it's kind of boring. I have a lesson on butterflies. I want to you know, do something fun, spunk it up. So what can we do? And I'll say, oh, like, let's, you know, try, you know, this program or let's, you know, let's do a collaborative class, Google map, or, you know, um, I'll just provide different methods and design it for them sometimes uh, to show what can be done. I also uh, provide like professional development. So I'll like uh, create workshops and training experiences to um, take them through how to use some of these new programs if they want to try it on their own. Um, I've created a digital badging program to reward them because uh, sometimes teachers are nervous about um, asking questions. And I instituted this badging system because I want them to feel confident to ask questions. And so any question that comes to my uh, email that I'm like, oh, that's a really good question. I'll, I'll answer it and I'll share it with all of the staff at uh, all of the four schools, four elementary schools. And, um, you know, that way everybody can have that information that was being asked and uh, and I'll give them a badge, be like, you know, great question or, you know, um, so I, I have fun with that, too. But it's, it's a really uh, rewarding job because I, uh, one of the things I enjoy is that enlightenment, that aha, like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. And then they get inspired and um, excited about teaching again. I think some people lose that pizzazz of, or flair for what it means to be a teacher and how much fun it can be um, because we get so inundated with our curriculum and time constraints and standardized tests and admin stuff. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, it gets overwhelming. I, I think it's a great position because, you know, mm -hmm. it, it gives somebody the ability to go to the classroom and say, hey, why don't you try this? Instead of having the teacher try the, the same thing over and over, you know, doing the same thing over and over. Someone in your capacity, they can say, well, instead of doing it the way you've been doing it the last 10 years, here's a new way of doing it. So that way the students, it's more engaging for the students, I feel. Yeah, and it's I'm trying to really like inspire teachers and bring their joy of teaching back, but using technology as like uh, the leverage to bring back that excitement and fun for both them and the kids. Um, and that works sometimes. And the other, uh, the other thing with the teachers is there's a lot of insecurity and fear. Like what if something goes wrong and they don't know how to navigate that? And um Having me there in the room with them or, you know, available is like a life raft or, a, you know, or I can be in the room like almost holding their hand. It's okay. We're going to do this together. And it gives them that confidence to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try it. I, you know, I'm going to jump in that pool and see if I can swim. And like, you know, if not, I, I've got my lifeguard right here. And that's a perfect segue <laughs> to what I'm going to ask. You know, you obviously with COVID the last, 
15 months. Was your school open or closed during COVID? So we were open the whole time. Uh, we were open beginning in September. Um, it was hybrid for a long time. Uh, so they had like a team A and then a team B. So the kids would come in. Uh, you would have team A coming in for three days in the week. And then team B would be two days in the week. And then the following week, it would flip. So team B would have three days and team A would have two. Um, and it was only for the you know kids that felt comfortable coming in and their families felt comfortable with them coming in. Um, they did have these um, opt-in uh, periods. It was generally around the end of the marking period where they were like, okay, if you're feeling comfortable now, you can switch and bring your uh, child in to the, um, to the classroom. And it, they, of course we did the social distancing. We followed all the CDC guidelines, the masking. Um, there was a lot of, if there was an opportunity to go outdoors, they did try to send kids, you know, outdoors for, for movement breaks and for um, just an opportunity to have fun, you know, kickball games or whatever, learning outside, whatever it was, lunch, <laughs> a snack. They didn't have lunch officially. So we were on the half day schedule <clears throat> and the kids did have snack time. And that's where they were allowed to sit at their desks, take their masks off. Uh, there were some challenges with, with that though. You know, the kids, they do like to be near each other. And it's, I think it's just a human instinct kind of thing. It's very, very hard to maintain proximity, um, even at our age, I think, uh, to, to have that self-awareness and to make sure you're maintaining the distancing. Um, because I think we genuinely um, love each other, you know, and we want to be, you know, that, that connection, part of it is physical. <clears throat> so they... They had a hard time with, you know, the spacing, but they did good with the masks, the masks. They were the, our kids. I mean, K through five, if you can imagine these little ones and they were so good about keeping those masks on, you know, sometimes you had to like maneuver the masks a little bit to get them to stay up for the little guys, but <laughs> they really, really were so good about it. You can imagine how, how hard that might've been for them. You think your school was prepared for COVID? So in some ways, yes, I think mostly uh, we were prepared. We had a nice strategic team that worked together for, um, for the year, uh, trying to work on the, the back to school, like, you know, what does this look like at this phase and that phase and like taking us through all the different changes in the guidelines and um, changes in vaccination status. And they kind of like said, okay, now at this point, we're ready to do, you know, we can allow for, you know, this component, you know, or we can have more kids come back in or, you know, um, they also set up like how to do the bus time, you know, like bus time is always a little bit difficult when you have in your public school and you have all these kids needing to a lot of parent pickups um, because they didn't trust the buses with the um, virus in the air. They didn't want the kids on the bus. Uh, so that was difficult to manage. Like, how do we get all these cars through our parking lot safely? Um, but it was all really well thought out. Um, after the strategic committee came up with plans, the principals presented it to the uh, staff. They kind of like let the staff state their concerns. And then they, you know, went through with whatever was the final final word on it. So with that, yes, um, I also feel like they did 
have a strong outreach with community. I, I felt like there was a really strong community outreach, like a lot of communication, um, a lot of surveys, st- surveys for staff too. like, how do you feel about this? Are you ready for that? What's your preference on, um, you know, what's your preference on, you know, the hybrid plan? Because all of our kids came back. You know what it was? It was, it was an interesting timing situation on March 15th. That's when they decided all the teachers could get their vaccines um, if they hadn't yet. And that's the day all of our students came back full time. And I'm not, and, and no more hybrid team A, team B, all of them came back together. And I'm not really sure. I kind of felt like maybe they should have given all the teachers like another month to <laughs> make sure they're all vaccinated first before we bring all the kids back. But uh, at the years, at the year end, um, each grade level had, I would say anywhere from like five to 15 ish students that were distance learning for, for the districts. Actually, most of the kids in Warren Township came back. Um, And uh, I think it, I, I, you know, I think they really value the kids being in school. I think that they think that's part of the learning process is the, proximity and having the kids there and being part of that env- learning environment. It's a learning environment. Good. Yeah. Was there any new technology that you had to learn because of COVID? So for me, I pretty much knew all of it, but uh, there was a, uh, a rush to teach teachers how to use all of it. Um, not this past year, but of course, when we all first went out, um, the previous March, not last March, but the March before when everybody was like, you know, in this state, you know, was like, you're home, nobody's going to school. Uh, that was a mad crush to learn. So there's a big me, learning curve there. It was me and uh, two, three other people, uh, two instructional specialists and one other technology coach. And we were basically in charge of teaching how to use, um, Google Classroom for anybody who hadn't started it yet. So everybody was using the same LMS learning management system um, to house, you know, student work and to have a communication section. Uh, Google Meet, of course, to do the, you know, the video um, and the communication element as well. Um, Go Guardian as spyware. Uh, so that way you make sure the kids are on task. If you need to push windows open for students, if you need to um, do a chat with students, it was an easy way to do that. Jamboard, uh, which was like a whiteboard kind of tool. So that way you could see the kids like working on their, on the whiteboard screen. Um, what was, oh, and Flipgrid was really, really essential, especially for the specialists. That's the, uh, where the kids can record themselves. It doesn't have to be live, it's asynchronous. Um, so the kids will record themselves doing video or speaking or whatever it is they wanna do. And the kids, the teachers can post and the kids can record and then it's all on one platform. I would say those were the biggest technology tools or programs that had to be pushed out like right away. Was there technology that people did not want to adapt to? Um, you know, it, it, it depends on, so each teacher is a little different as we know, and, uh, cause we're people <laughs> and right. 
some people have a very, they're like, oh, let me go. Let me take a risk. I'll have fun with it. Let me explore. It's okay to fail kind of mentality. And those are the people you can really run with uh, for this kind of stuff. And then there are some that are um, more timid and uh, nervous and afraid. And those are the ones that, uh, you know, it takes a long time for them to. So even though they'll do it, um, they'll do it maybe more of a, in a minimalist kind of way. So like they'll use Google Classroom, but maybe just to post an assignment and they don't use any of the other features of it. Um, or, you know, Go Guardian. they know of it, but they're, they're afraid to use it. They don't know how to use it, you know? So like, cause there's so many things you can do in Go Guardian. you know, if the kids are off task, you can lock them, you know, or uh, you can redirect them to websites you want to use or block websites they're not supposed to look at. And they're just, they get very nervous about um, doing it wrong, right? You know, so what if I block this website and it doesn't work and I tell the kids I'm blocking them from YouTube, but it doesn't work or uh, or I accidentally block it for the whole day for all of their classes instead of just mine. And and then what? You know, there's a lot of uh, so so they don't they don't even try it. Uh, and it's I'd say that's one of the more challenging things is trying to overcome those hurdles, trying to recognize who who these teachers are that need that extra help and trying to get them that help that they need. I do when I can, when I find them. <laughs> no, as a, as a parent myself of a, you know, seventh grader and my son just graduated out of college, I saw, you know, the, the struggles that they went through. My son, he, he had a teacher that didn't post anything for four weeks. Like, you know, the guy went MIA on him and then he mm-hmm. came back and, you know, was doing videos and stuff. It was a right. science course you know and, and he was worried he's like this guy's not he's not posting every week he would go he's right. like this guy's not posting anything and then he started i think it, a lot of it was you know again technology is new and and, and yeah. it, was, it, it was a learning curve for some people you know some people are very yeah. you know they grew up with computers so it's very easy but people who've been mm-hmm. around for a long time and it's you know they, as you know this there are people who are very stubborn that they, oh, what do we have to change? What do we have to change? And they don't, yeah. and they don't want to change. And it was, yeah. In in, in my daughter's case, you know, the, she she says, you know, I had an eleven o'clock meeting, and I go there, and there's no teacher. Yeah. So that was that was another right. issue mm-hmm. with uh, with COVID. And I think that's yeah. up here, up in here, in northern Jersey. In once the school year flipped into September, they actually had this the teachers go into the classroom and teach from the schools and not teach from home. I think a lot of it was because a lot of parents were complaining that they're supposed to have a class at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. The kid would go and open the class and there's no teacher. Nobody there. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I don't know if it's a technology, was it a technology issue or the teacher decided, well, yeah. you know, I, you know, I got, I got to yeah. do something else. We had no. um, a few teachers um, that relied heavily on their co-teachers who were tech savvy to create the material for um, the online platform. 
So, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, and when I, one of the tools I forgot to mention, which was probably one of the most pivotal was um, Screencastify to just, you know, pre-record whether it was, you know, a presentation, a lesson, um, themselves reading a book to the kids, whatever it was, but using Screencastify to have those pre-recordings, especially when the kids were home, not so much the hybrid, but definitely for the distance learners or for when we were all at home to have those screencasts was like essential. And then um, I would say, oh, one of the things they did that was kind of um, unusual, and I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of, is that Bitmoji classroom. I don't know if you've seen the Bitmojis from Snapchat, like those little avatar creatures where they basically turn themselves, the teachers turn themselves into avatars. And then they have like in a slide deck in like Google Slides, they'll have like little books or you know, or a chalkboard and, and, you know, they can click on, they hyperlink it to other places. I love the idea of hyperlinking and um, using those objects and, you know, using the slide deck as a springboard to go to other activities. But my concern is that a lot of teachers invested a lot of time in creating these Bitmoji classrooms. And um, I think it's a fad kind of like the Among Us fad. And I, I, I am afraid that in another year, it's going to be outdated and then they're going to have to recreate all over again. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of having to recreate everything. I like modifying things, um, but like we work so hard and our time is so short to have to uh, recreate everything all the time is just crazy. And I, 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 I don't know. I feel like they were wrongly advised to go into Bitmoji worlds because um, I think it's going to be outdated real soon. I agree. Was there a piece of technology, either hardware or software, that you wanted to use but was prevented from the higher-ups from using? Um, well, I've had things in the past that uh, I've always wanted to use and uh uh, some programs that I've wanted to use include, um, I want the kids to have access to create their own Google sites, and they've been blocked from that. Uh, that They can see and view teacher-developed websites within the domain, um, but aside from that, any Google sites are off-limits, and it's blocked, and they can't create their own, which um, I think that's a disservice. I think the kids can really create some really cool portfolios, web quests. Um, they could create their own digital breakout rooms. Like there's so many uh, really cool features that Google Sites can offer the way it's designed, the way it lets them design, be the designers. Um, it's, that's a shame. Um, I love insert learning as well. Um, insert learning is where you can take any website and you, as a teacher, can put in text boxes uh, or discussion chats, or it's basically you're inserting a box and it, you, you can write it your own question and then do a multiple choice. Or you could say, have a discussion about, and the kids can make a chat in there, um, or it's an open-ended, or you could put post-it notes in there to have the kids like, you know, look for this or watch that. And the kids can also highlight or you can highlight in there. And it's kind of um, a really great interactive tool where, um, you know, there's a lot of times you have a website where you're like, wow, that's awesome in teaching this concept and you want to make it interactive. And uh, for some reason, I, it, you know, a lot, a lot of it comes down to expense. 
right? We, you know, let's face it, it's expense. Uh, fortunately, we did get Padlet uh, to go through this year. That was, that was a, a real perk. Uh, so Padlet is basically um, kind of like Pinterest, if you've ever done Pinterest. It's basically a wall where kids or teachers can create a wall. And then they can, like the teacher could post a whole bunch of resources that the kids can use on that wall. And the kids can just click on it to go there. Or they can create a wall and the kids can post their own resources on there. Um, The kids can make comments. They can rate resources. They can even draw their own stuff on there. There's so many things Padlet can do. Uh, So I'm really, really happy that we've uh, acquired that for our teachers to use this year. But yeah, there there have been many things, you know, there have been many, many um, programs that I would, I would love to explore further. Um, Generally speaking, um, we're always faced with the the almighty dollar. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one that that determines. Uh Uh, Would you do anything different if having, say, we have another pandemic. Let's take a quick break. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Uh, you know, the pandemic was really hard because even for my role, um, a lot of teachers didn't, like, in they didn't feel comfortable with you coming physically into the classroom because nobody wanted any further exposure, right? Nobody wants to be exposed to additional germs. So it was really hard for me to physically get into the classrooms and I wish I could have done that more. Um, One of the things I did provide for the kids that I think uh, was really well responded to was I made, um, seasonal choice boards that I sent out for the district. And it was basically theme-based, like I did one for Star Wars for uh, May 4th. And it was a Google slide deck and it had like all different activities I found. And um, so the kids could interact, do something fun. Um, I really wanted to keep the joy in this year uh, because I feel like so much of it was I think a lot of people were negatively, like emotionally affected. I feel like a lot of people were depressed, uh, maybe off course, off kilter. They didn't know what to do. So I was trying to bring some happiness back. So yeah, this Star Wars choice, uh, choice boards. And like, you know, I did one for the winter. I did one for, you know, summertime, you know, beach, you know, beach season. I, I, I think everybody really loved that. Um, so I would Definitely. um, And I was showcasing, hey, like you can do this with any unit of study. So that's something that I think worked well that I would carry over for next year. But um, I think your original question was, what what was I, what what was I not, I shouldn't do something. Anything different. No, what were you different? different? Getting into the classrooms, but I I don't know that I could have done that. Um, 
What, I, what else would I do different? Maybe more, um, I did a lot of like troubleshooting recordings. Um, like a lot of teachers were like, oh, you know, I can't do this or how do you do that? I need to fix this. Or fi so I did a lot of troubleshooting, but maybe more um, teaching recordings. Like, because uh, we didn't have a lot of, one thing our district could have done better, I think was uh, the professional development element. Uh, you know, with regards to technology. And I feel like they didn't want to overwhelm teachers. So they really backed off and they didn't want to engage the teachers in anything additional, feeling like they were burdening them. But maybe some teachers would have been interested or I could have built up that resource for this coming year. Um, I do have a folder of all of my video screencast tutorials, kind of like your podcast, J-Rod. <laughs> you, you have your podcast series. I have yeah. a huge Google Drive folder with all of the programs and how to use this and how to use that. And I, I did give staff access to that this year. I give them access to the whole screencast of my folder. And the minute I make a new screencast, it gets tossed right into that folder. It's just not organized. So the new ones they know are sticking out of the folders. They're not uh, in a folder yet, but that's one good thing. I, I, I really think, uh, just for them knowing it's there. And if they have questions and they are not comfortable with asking or they just, it's like 11 o'clock at night and they're you know, stressed out and they wanna to try to figure it out, they can literally search in their Google Drive and hopefully one of my screencasts will pop up to save the day. <laughs> All right, last question. Um, any advice for any technology coaches out there? Or future technology coach. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm actually uh, the technology coach I was working with retired. Uh, so I have a new technology coach coming on board this year. So I have to kind of like work with her and, you know, onboard her to that too. Uh, I think the, the most important thing for me is um, making them realize that the, the most important thing in this role is to help the teachers and help, right? Um, you know, we're, we're trying to help merge technology with instruction. And, uh, you know, that can be very exciting. It can be difficult at times, but it can be very stressful for people. And um, instead of focusing on the elements of stress, making it easy for them, making it fun, making them, making it something that they want to continue, you know, like say, oh, this is really exciting. I want to do that again. You know what? That was so successful with that program. Maybe I'm willing to try something more, you know, or gee, I never realized I could use this program that way. Maybe I could try that too. And just give like opening up a whole new world of what technology can be for the teachers is really uh, what I try to do. And I wanna inspire other tech coaches to, to do the same. It's really about inspiring others and carrying that spark uh, to the teachers so they can share it with their students and then they can love learning too. And we can all be happy lifelong learners together. <laughs> all right, thank you so much, Michelle, for being You're with welcome. me. Again. I appreciate it. I hope it. I answered all your questions. <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thanks, J-Rod. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you so much, Michelle, for that interview.
I appreciate it. And I hope you guys learned, uh, you know, a lot about what she, about Michelle, what she does. And, you know, maybe one day you want to be a technology coach too. So and it's actually not a bad field to go into. So it's actually uh, one of these new fields in academia that's coming up. So, I mean, you can – that's a, also a career that you may want to, you know, in, invest in. And now – this. What if it's possible to get local fresh groceries delivered right to your front door? You can go to the gym in that free time. Well, Instacart gives unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. Way better than the other guys who nickel and dime you to death every time you use their app. Forget that one ingredient to make Sancocho? Instacart can deliver it to your front door in as little as one hour. You can shop multiple stores, see deals in the area so you can save money, and every item is hand-selected according to your preferences. No more green platanos when you want the yellow ones, and they keep your eggs safe too. To start your 14-day trial, please click the link in the show notes to let Instacart know that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart, never set foot in a grocery store again. All right, that's going to do it for this week for the show thanks for everybody for listening and again thanks again michelle for coming on the show for the interview and yeah send those you know passing scores in at professorjrod at gmail.com and win a 25 dollar gift certificate until next episode This has been a presentation of Little Cha Cha Productions, art by Sarah, music by Joe Kim. You can reach me at professorjrod at gmail.com.